Now, y'all are quiet already, and y'all going to have to fix that. <laughs> y'all going to have to fix that. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. What an awesome day it's already been. And uh, it just keeps getting gooder. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We're going to even baptize another one in the next service. That's how we roll. <laughs> it's just been so awesome. There's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you might know his name. Uh, probably not many. He was a... He was a pastor in Germany as Hitler began to push the, the Nazi movement and, and was trying to, Hitler was trying to uh, get the pastors of Germany to go along with his political persuasion. And, and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one who would stand against that. And uh, he would uh, kind of be a, uh, political target for Hitler was arrested, and right before the end of the war, I think if I remember, it was like three days before the end of the war, they hung him with a piano wire and killed him. Um, he was a a great uh, man of God who, recognizing the cultural shift of Germany, said we we can't go along with the cultural shift, and and took a firm stance for the Word of God, and uh, and here's what. Bonhoeffer said, into the community you were called. You didn't understand that. That's going to be a word I'm going to use today is community. And what we mean by that is the body of believers. Everybody with me? This is the community, the community of Christ. Those, those who have come together in Christ Jesus. Into the community you were called. The call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called, you bear your cross, you struggle, you pray, but you're not alone. You are not alone even in death. And on the last day, you'll be one, only one of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful statement, and it's a, it's a great uh, statement in response to those fringe Christians who say, I don't really need to go to church to be a Christian, do I? Well, technically... No, it's actually a relationship with Jesus Christ that causes you to become a Christian. But the truth of the matter is, when you love Jesus, you love what Jesus loves. And he loves the church. And in fact, the, the early Christians, in the book of Acts, we, we'll look there in just a second. The early Christians, it was never even a thought not to be a part of the body of believers. In fact, you can search the scriptures all you want to try and see if God had an alternative plan for Christians to fly solo. And you, you won't find it in here. You won't find, you know, maybe my personality type and maybe this and that and yada, yada. Maybe there's an alternative plan for me to walk with Christ separated from the body of believers. Well, you won't find it in here. In fact, there's only one time that I know of. There's only one time that I know of in which that, that was commanded it was commanded by Paul as the most severe act of church discipline that could be done. He, he said that there's this one particular brother in the church in Corinth, and he said, cast him out of the church in order that he might be handed over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul might be saved. Man. Man. He's... Paul, for reals. <laughs> he was serious. And when he said, that's the only... The only time in scripture where he says, yeah, he needs to be separated from the body. Why? Because when he's separated from the body, he's easy prey for the enemy. 
And if he falls prey to the enemy, then maybe in the midst of his hell on earth, he will look up to heaven and call upon the Lord and he'd be saved. It's the only time you see in scriptures where he said, that one needs to be separated from the body. You know that one passage of scripture says, that Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I, I, I had to look that up and study a little bit. Why lions roar? And there was actually a study on why lions roar. And, uh, and it, I mean, it went into depth in all the sounds that lions make and how they communicate. Well, being a, a hunter myself, I know that you, if you're hunting, you don't want to alert the, the prey animal as, as to where your presence is. You want to go in on stealth mode. And so lions don't roar when they're hunting unless they're old and they don't have teeth. The old lions will eventually lose their teeth. They can't quite go and hunt down prey anymore. And so what an old lion will do, he will roar so that those that are young and dumb will separate from the herd and run right. And what he's trying to do is separate them from the young male lions who travel around by themselves. And he'll roar so that that male, that, that prey animal will run right straight into his pride of females. That's what you call a, a herd of lions of pride. And so he'll roar not because he's going to kill you, but because he's going to run you into danger. I want you to think about that, Christian. Satan is as a roaring lion. He's already been defanged at the cross. Amen. Ooh, that's good right there. Somebody else say Amen. <laughs> He's already been defanged at the cross, but he'll holler and roar so that you'll run to the world away from the herd, away from the safety of the community of Christians, and that you'll run into danger, thinking that you're running from, you're running into. So you need to be connected to the body of believers. You need to be a part of a community of Christians. When you came to Christ, here's two things that you need. I, I know you thought it was one, but there's two. That you were committed to Christ and connected to Christians. It really wasn't supposed to be two separate. It's all in the same. Because this is the body of Christ. Amen. And whatever body that, that you, that you uh, connect to, whatever local congregation that you connect to, I pray that you're connected. If it's this one, praise God. I love you. Glad you're here. But I pray that whatever church you feel most connected to and aligned with in vision, that you don't just attend, you connect. Because that, and it's not, and please, please hear me clearly. Yes, Sand Springs has grown. Praise God for it. But when I tell you this, that you need to be connected to a body, it is not for our growth, it's for your growth. Please understand that. I, I, I never was called to build a church. I was never called to build a church. I was called to build his kingdom. And there's only one way we're going to continue to, uh, to turn back darkness. It is by the, the Savior's strategy is this, making disciples. Making disciples. Matthew 28 and 18, he says, go into all the world making disciples of all nations. He didn't say go into all the world and make converts. You know what the difference is? A convert is someone who comes to Christ, but a disciple is someone who keeps coming. 
who keeps coming, who keeps growing, who keeps maturing. And then that person that wants to mature, and let me tell you, it don't take long to get there. They can lead others to Christ and help them continue to come and continue to grow and continue to, to grow deep roots in the faith. That's the difference. We didn't come to grow a church. We came to grow his kingdom. And the way you do that is by making disciples. How do I make disciples? Connecting Christians to other Christians. We had a picture in our hallway just a couple months ago. We took it down uh, of a picture that was over. It was taken over there in the old building. For those of you that are new here, when I came here uh, right at 20 years ago, the little brick building next door, it was a red brick building. It was the entire church. That was the church. And uh, it's now our children's building. And we're running about three times as many children as there were people back then. <laughs> and and we, we came and that was the church. It, it was an awesome church. And, and we began to grow. And it's exciting because I didn't, I didn't come to a dead church. I came to a living church here at Sand Springs. Praise God. Those faithful saints before me made sure that it was. And then when we started growing, we, we, we had that picture of Carrie Harris pointing at the little numbers board because we broke 100. We broke 100. And the question came back then, Pastor, are we going to turn into a big church? What's going to happen? Are we going to grow too much? 100, 100. We have over 200 in the room right now. And it was a very valid concern. Absolutely a valid concern. You know why? Here's what, here's what the question was. Are we going to lose our closeness? That's the question. And it's a very serious question. Are we going to lose our closeness? So here is, here's my answer to that. It's like, no, we're going to get ahead of that. You got to get ahead of that. We need to be able to continue to grow the kingdom and yet continue to grow closer. Amen. Well, Jesus had a strategy for that. As uh, we know that Jesus was ministering constantly to the thousands. And, and we know that even after his resurrection, there was 500 that witnessed his resurrection. That, so why didn't he take the thousands and disciple them individually? Well, he couldn't. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And a man could only be in one place at one time and do only so much. And so uh, what did he do? He multiplied himself through disciples. So how did he grow them up? There was a strategy that you probably have never seen before. And it's in your Bible. And I had never seen it until I saw it. And then when I saw it, I can't unsee it. It blew my mind. I'm like, oh my goodness. He was a master strategist. It was all part of the plan from the very beginning. Look at this slide. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. These are the 12, also known as the 12 disciples, later to be called the 12 apostles. These are the 12 exactly as Matthew listed them. These are the 12 exactly how Mark listed them. These are the 12 exactly how Luke listed them in the, in the exact order that they listed them. And these are the, 12, the 11. Who's missing? Judas Iscariot. That's right. He's done. So these are the 11 exactly how they are listed in the book of Acts. You might notice that we highlighted those that are similar. Is anybody picking up on what I'm putting down? We not only had a group of 12, but then we had the group of 12 split into three groups of four. Peter, 
was kind of the oldest, probably the oldest, and the leader of the 12, but not only that, he led the, four, the, the other three. And then, do you see it? It's in blue. And then you have Philip. He was the fifth one in everyone's list of the apostles. And James, the son of Alphaeus, was the, whatever number that is, the same in every one of the lists. Y'all picking up on that? I would think that y'all are just sitting there, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so cool. Because I thought I'd nerd it out all over this thing. That's exactly how they're listed. So it obviously, Jesus not only said that we need a number, a small number of 12 that I can pour personally into one at a time, but even that group was separated into smaller groups, very intimate, personal groups. And they are people who are of similar personalities, backgrounds, interests. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Andrew was the one that brought his brother Peter. James and John were brothers. And I like these brothers because they had a nickname given to them by Jesus. Y'all remember? The Sons of Thunder. It was the sons of the, they had been preaching and evangelizing in the village and the people rejected Christ. And so they come back to Jesus and said, uh, uh, they didn't listen to us. Should we call down fire from heaven and just kill them all? I'm like, I like those guys. I get it. They hadn't been in ministry long and yet they're picking up on ministry. No. <laughs> Jesus says, you do not know what spirit you are of. And he called them sons of thunder. In other words, you boys are strong. Y'all strong. But y'all need to dial it back. That's what he was telling them. <laughs> so that, that four, those guys are a lot alike. The next four, these are the philosophers of the group. They were similar. They, you can study these individually and you'll recognize, man, they, they kind of had some similarities. And then you can study the last four. And what you'll notice in the last four, we have Simon Iscariot, I mean, Judas Iscariot and Simon the Zealot. And both of those guys, especially Judas, Simon the Zealot, he was a, a political uh, a mercenary. That's what he was. And so if, he, if Jesus would have put Simon the Zealot in the small group with Matthew, the tax collector, that had been a death. And we've seen that in some small groups. They're just a... So Judas also being one of that nature... But Simon the Zealot was making a, he had making a decree and a covenant that when he came across an enemy of Israel, he would kill them. If through a crowd, he got just close enough to a Roman soldier, he would pull the knife out of the folds of his robe and slit their throat and keep walking. That's the kind of people Jesus calls. Praise God. The kingdom needs some people, not murderers. <laughs> not murderers. <laughs> but that are skilled with the sword. Amen. Skilled with the sword and, and recognize that the enemy is for real and he's trying to take people out. And yet, and it, sometimes it takes some, some violent men and women to take the word of God and combat the enemy in our city. Anyway, that was cool. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. So that's how Jesus' strategy unfolded. He took the 12, and he broke them down even into smaller, more intimate groups. And I want to tell you something, that as a child of God, you can do that without us having to do that for you. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have to be that, that we build the small group and, and, and say, okay, here's a, here's a small group for you. No, you begin realizing that there are people walking this journey alongside you that are very similar to you, and you could draw from each other and grow as iron sharpens iron. 
you can sharpen one another in the word of the Lord. So you can do that. You can, you can start bringing your friends together. It doesn't have to come as a Bible study. It can come and, and, and fishing, hunting, ball games with the kids, but be intentional. Let's have those conversations about Christ and about growing, about building ourselves up in the most holy faith. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 2, we see that this was always the Savior's strategy, and it was a good strategy. On the day of Pentecost... The church grew. You talk about some church growth problems. <laughs> uh, we, we, every Monday we gather up and say, okay, what new problem have we got to deal with? It's like, yeah, everybody's just bumping into each other in the hallway. People are trying to have, they're having a hard time parking in the parking lot. Okay, how are we going to fix these bottlenecks? How are we going to solve these problems? I have never known another church to grow the way the Acts chapter 2, chapter two church grew 3,000 people in one day. 3,000 people in one day. We're going to have a long business meeting on how we're going to fix this church growth issue. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Here's what they did. Chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And fellowship. And fellowship. It's not just about knowing it's not just about gaining knowledge. We try, I try and impart knowledge every time I stand up on this platform on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I try to impart knowledge, but it's got to be more than that. Amen? And so they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread, which I love, and in prayers. The breaking of bread in this past scripture was talking about communion, but also in eating meetings, and I like eating meetings. And uh, my good friend, Pastor Mark, over at Life, he hates casseroles. He grew up in church. He hates casseroles. Kind of like the, the American, the, the bald eagle is the, the, uh, the national bird for America. The casserole is the natural di national dish for the Baptist church. <laughs> so <laughs> he hates casseroles. But I, I'll tell you, I am not opposed. I am not opposed. So... <laughs> Uh, that's my brother. Uh, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed, can we say this together? Were together. Can we say it together now? Were together. Thank you. All who believed were together. Amen. And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Check out verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. What are we looking at here? So we have two ways that the church, which is believers in Christ Jesus, would come together. They would come together as a whole, corporately, in the temple. What does it mean in the temple? The temple complex that we know today is, is, we call it Temple Mount. We call it Temple Mount. The Arabs don't call it Temple Mount. But there is what is known as the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem where the, the, the Dome of the Rock, some of you are familiar with the Golden Dome in the city of Jerusalem. That's called Temple Mount. That was there when Jesus was there. That big. Herod the Great made that 
He took off the top of that mountain, spread it out, and made it huge. And I have personally stood on the Mount of Olives and looked over to see 50,000 Arabs on that spot on Temple Mount. And they didn't cover a third of it. That's how big it is. So the church could continue to grow ginormous and meet together and have worship, which just blows your mind. Can you imagine trying to teach a new song to 3,000 new believers? Well, it didn't actually go down like that, but there was, they were meeting together corporately, and then they were, let's just keep reading, verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So they would gather together corporately, and then they would meet more privately in each other's homes and just fellowshipping with one another. And and I I bet they didn't have to have a strategist come together and say, how are we going to build small groups? How are we going to make this thing work? How are we going to organize and itemize and all this kind of stuff? No, they were Christians, and they knew they needed each other, especially during the persecution of the first century. They needed each other. And this is what's happened in our country that we're seeing as, as, as Christian, Christianity is not so uh, cool anymore. The church of Jesus Christ is recognizing we need each other. And as persecution will continue to escalate unless a national revival happens, we're going to continue to drop all the divisions and start drawing to closer together because we need each other. We need each other. I was thinking about this the other day. I was having some good iron sharpening iron conversation with a Christian brother. And I use the word interdependence a lot. And what does that mean? It means that I don't have to have you, but I desire to have you in my life. That's a healthy relationship. I could have a walk with the Lord individually. I just know that it's going to be more difficult without you in my life. So there needs to be an interdependence. I was thinking about the passage of scripture where Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Well, a yoke is a, is a piece of timber that has been hewn to fit on the neck of oxen, and you yoke them together. That's, it's for two oxen. And in and, and these parts of the world, uh, the piece of lumber that you would use for a yoke is elm. This might be, again, some new information for you and your cornucopia of useless information. (laughs) Elm wood is not useful for anything. It ain't good for firewood. I mean, you can't build with it because elm wood, the grain is interwoven. You can't break it. You ain't going to split it with a splitting maw. It's just, it is a very tough piece of wood. It don't even burn good, but it it was used for ox... Uh, oxen, it was used for yokes. That's what it was used for. Because you can't break it. The grain is interwoven. And because it's interwoven, it is extremely strong. Child of God, we've been called to be yoked with Jesus. And we, we become stronger as we're interwoven with one another. Amen. Amen. We need each other. We, draw, we grow stronger as we draw closer. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What was his strategy? For them to gather corporately and worship together, and then to gather privately and grow stronger together. And as they did, the church grew daily. Amen? Amen. Do you think that would be put in there if that wasn't important? 
Do you think Jesus wants his church to grow? Absolutely, he wants his church to grow. And you will find in the book of Acts that these two often go hand in hand, that you will see the growth of the church as you see them coming together in small groups. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And then the first verse of chapter 6 after this verse, how the church grew daily. Amen. It's the Savior's strategy. It is how he intended for it to be, that you are to be connected to other Christians. Here at Sand Springs, we have uh, three things we ask people to do. There's three things. We call it know, grow, and flow. I'm kind of a simple kind of guy, so I have to try and make things simple. And we ask that you come to a worship service. Because in these worship services, we, we have an intentional mission to come to know God and to know him better. That's what we, that's, when I come on Sunday morning, that's my mindset. I'm coming to help people know God and to know him better. Amen? That's how you come to know God here at Sand Springs. We're intentional about Sunday morning being that purpose. But number two, grow. We want you to grow in God. So know God, grow in God. And how do you grow in God? You grow in God by connecting to the Christian community in a small group setting. See, I just can't, if, if we were to take this group right here, right now, and try and say, Let, let's, let's just grow together in the, in the intimacy of a small group. How's that going to work in this group? It won't. I can impart information, but true growth happens when Christians come together and just get real, real with one another. So this, is where my, this is where my struggle is. Another one says, I have victory in that area. Can I share, you with you, share with you how? You can get victory. Here's where I'm hurting right now. Hey, let me pray over you. Here's where, here's where my family is in this condition right now. Hey, we just came through that. Can I help you through that? That's where that happens. It doesn't happen in this setting. It happens just like they were doing house to house or smaller groups. So we ask you to grow in Christ. And, 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 and we have this because uh, um, as a simple guy, I try to make things simple. And so we try to give everybody the, the greatest opportunity for growth as we could give them. The fact of the matter is, for hundreds of years, the church has failed. Not just this church. We're not that old. The church has failed and making disciples. So some, some folks, I, I was so burdened of, uh, of being a failure in the kingdom because I was not doing well at making disciples. So we put some things in place here for, for, for your growth, and we call them splash groups, small groups. Splash stands for show people love and share him. And so, so that's... That may not be right. Anyway, show people love and share. I'm close. I don't cipher real good, but uh, show people love and share him. And, 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 and it's, the, it's the unity and the, and, the, and the intimacy of a small group of believers coming together to help one another grow in Christ. So that's no, that's grow. And then finally, there's flow. And here's the truth. You weren't saved to sit. You were saved to serve. So we invite you to get involved in a stream team. What's a stream team? Well, as you grow in Christ, you begin to realize that he is, has created you for the purpose in mind, and we help you find that and get you going in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Going in the flow. Just go with the flow, baby. All right. So I want to look in the book of Hebrews 
No, I want to look in Colossians real quick. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. That their hearts, Paul is praying for the church in Colossae, and he says, I'm praying this, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Amen? Do you see it? How are they going to grow encouraged being knit together in a loving environment? I, I This morning before church, uh, I had someone come and, and just just kind of land a blow. I, I'm, I'm never surprised at sometimes people's lack of spiritual insight and just landed a blow on me early on. And uh, it's discouraging. It's discouraging. Even after I preached against the very thing that they did, very, I preached against it last Sunday, they didn't hear it. Y'all pray for them. I'm, I'm going to beat them. That's what's going to happen. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm messing around. <laughs> That was discouraging right before church, right before I fixed to get up here and worship the Lord. But then somebody else come to me and told me, Pastor, you have changed my life. I said, man, you, don't know, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. Because there are days in the ministry you wonder if you're making any difference whatsoever. There are times of discouragement. You just want to hang it up. I cannot tell you how many times I just want to hang it up. And that gal came up and encouraged me at just the right time an hour ago. You know that studies show that for one discouraging word that somebody says, it takes seven. I got that one right. Seven <laughs> encouraging words to counteract that one discouraging word. So I'm going to need six more of you to come and encourage me. <laughs> I'm just serious. Uh, <laughs> we need to encourage one another, saints, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the foolish, uh, attaining to all riches. I hope you know you're filthy rich in Christ Jesus. You just don't, may not know all the riches that you have. But as you come together in the intimate small groups, you will begin to know just how rich you are. Attaining to all riches of the full assurances of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. I love that phrase, the mystery of God. I love mysteries. God is constantly unfolding his mysteries of just how wealthy you are in Christ Jesus. But you know how you really come to explore those things? is by getting with other believers in the word together. You will grow in Christ to just find out the true riches of heaven. Finishing now in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24. In the Bible, there are 100 passages of Scripture that uses this phrase, it's two words in English, it's one in Greek, and that is one another. One another. It's used a hundred times in the New Testament. We're going to look at two verses that it's used back to back. Verse 24 of Hebrews 10. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You catch it? I want to read it again, verse 24 again. And let us consider one another in order to stir up what? And good works. We weren't saved to sit 
You're saved to serve. In order to stir up love and good works, good works will come out of love. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Let it not be your manner. Let it not be your manner. You know the truth now. But exhorting one another, there it is again, exhorting, encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Why is day capitalized? Because it's talking about judgment day and we're getting closer and closer and closer. So what does it mean? We need to be meeting more and more and more and encouraging each other more and more and more so that we can grow deeper and deeper roots so that when the sun hits us and it gets stinking hot against our, our salvation, we don't wither and we don't die away. Amen. 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 We made for each other call to Christianity is to be committed to Christ and connected to Christians. It's twofold. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that you would help us to recognize our deep need for one another. Sometimes I wake up and I don't feel so spiritual. And I don't, I don't want to look in your word But lo and behold, you put somebody in my pathway that speaks your encouragement, speaks your truth. You use people, and we need people who are committed followers of Christ in our life. I pray, Lord, we be committed to you and connected to one another. We be growing in our maturity, in our faith, and our understanding of the great mystery and the deep riches that we have in you, Lord. And that we would experience the power of your word daily being fleshed out in our lives as we come together and strengthen and encourage one another. Thank you, Lord, for one of the greatest graces that we have in the Christian faith, and that is that word, one another. Thank you. You didn't call us to do this alone. You've told us that your Holy Spirit will go with us, and then you put people all around us. Thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.